I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Every Sunday, when we load up the van to head to usually 7 a.m. Mass, because as I've joked already this season, my kids are already up, so we might as well just go, I kind of think to myself, man, I, I really hope I'm ready. And that's such a, not an odd thing to think, but I think it's an interesting perspective. And maybe it's just because I do this kind of work, and so I'm usually thinking about the ins and outs of the faith. But on more than one occasion, especially recently, that thought crosses my mind. I hope I'm ready. I hope I'm ready to hear the readings. I hope I'm ready to to listen to the gospel attentively. I hope I'm ready to receive the Blessed Sacrament. I hope this Mass, this experience that I'm about to have, is one that not only is fruitful for me, fruitful for my children, but allows me to fully participate in this highest form of worship that we have, to engage in the Mass as I'm called to. And yet, really frequently, if I dig deep and think fully about, okay, am I actually ready? I'm not entirely sure the answer is always yes. And sometimes through no fault of my own, life is busy, the mornings are hectic, I haven't necessarily had the chance to read the readings or think intentionally about the themes, I certainly haven't maybe made the best examination of conscience or thought about what I'm specifically praying for. But see, that I think is part of why we needed to do this series on the Mass, to one, maybe feel a little bit of solidarity with each other. We all sometimes feel like we are not ready. But two, to think about how we can get ready and what can actually happen in our hearts and in our minds when we commit just a little bit of time to prepping for Sunday, to recognizing the great gift that Sunday is long after it's done. And especially in the context of, say, the busyness of family life or in the mix of a, of a crazy work schedule or even in the life of a retiree where it sometimes feels like we're building up to Sunday and, and perhaps are worried we're just going to be let down. Whatever stage of life we happen to be in, whatever we're bringing into the Sunday, talking about how we can get ready of it, how we can bring it beyond an ordinary, normal day activity and actually allow it to be the center and the focus of our week. And so to round out our series on the Mass, I wanted to sit down with my good friend, Mark Hart. I've known Mark for years. We've worked together. In fact, Mark was a, a speaker at events that I went to as a teenager, and I frequently like to remind him of that fact. And I wanted to sit down with him and talk to him about this, right? Not only why Mass is so important, what it has done in his own life and his own family life, but how we get ready for it well. He tells us a bit about his new book that'll be coming out with Ave soon about how to prep for Mass as a family and on your own. But to really round out this series on the Mass by thinking about, by talking about, by praying through together what it actually means to be engaged. This, of course, is finishing up our series on the Mass from Ave Explores. Everything that we have created, all the podcasts, our Instagram lives, articles, all of it's available at our website, AveMariaPress.com. Just click on over there. The link is down in the show notes, and you'll find everything that we've made. But for right now, we'd love it if you'd sit back and enjoy this conversation with Mark Hart about getting ready for Mass on Sunday and making it count. Mark Hart, the Bible geek, welcome back to Ave Explorers. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Where did that name come from? Where did the Bible geek come from? Oh, Catherine. I know. That's that's a, I've asked ago. that question, I, uh... I think, before, but I love the story. 
I was working as a youth minister in a parish many, many years ago. And then when I, I left the parish, I started working for Life Teen International. I was still doing Bible study. I was still discipling young guys, young girls. And I was leading Bible study every week. And I had to go take a trip across the country. And this is when this brand new thing called email was really big. Ooh. <laughs> and you all send those stupid CDs every week. And because I, I had to travel, I typed up a reflection on scripture. And I was going to email it to the teens in my Bible study group. And for whatever reason, it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I had like a five o'clock flight. So I was, you know, really tired. And I just, I assigned it your friendly neighborhood Bible geek, you know, just totally stupid. Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit inspiration moment. Didn't think anything of it. What was really funny was all 12 kids in my Bible study group all replied to my email. None mentioned the reflection, which was kind of hurtful, or the scripture, but they all (laughs) the pen name. They got a kick out of it. And I thought, okay, this moving around to something here. And then it sort of grew from there. We had I, I opened up a free kind of like bi-weekly scripture reflection thing through our life team website. And it grew to like, you know, 40 or 50,000 people in a year. And I was, it was this was the late 90s. And I was like, wow, you know, Catholics really want scripture. I and mean, it wasn't available. So mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, well, why not? So we, we, we ran with the pen name and it kind of stuck after that. You know? yeah. Just a crazy random moment of the Holy Spirit for acknowledged. A good handle to have before handles were a thing, right? Like you were able to before claim those handles were a thing. on social right away, and now you can't get rid of it. No avatars, not back then. No, no, just, no. that's awesome. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about your faith journey, because like you weren't, you didn't come out of the womb, mm. the Bible geek, but you went to Catholic <laughs> University, you studied theology, you arrived at Life Teen. Tell us a little bit about your your faith journey, and and really specifically, this is the conversation we've been having wow. all season. How the mass was a, a hook for you? Yeah, wow, that's. Wow, we're going to deep dive now. Okay, we're just jumping in, good. yeah. You know, I was a typical Catholic kid, went to parochial school, altar server, knew where we kept the altar wine and where the ushers kept the collection money back in the sacristy. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what readings had just happened, even though I was sitting in the sanctuary most of the time, right? But fifth and six kids, you know, we had big Catholic family. You know, we, we never missed mass, always had our same pew, always said grace, never read the Bible, never prayed the rosary. Uh, I heard God's name invoked more on the way to church than I did in the church. <laughs> typical Catholic family, right? And then I was 16 and this thing called Life Teen started up my parish and I was going through confirmation at the time. And my mom basically threatened me. She said, you're going to your confirmation retreat. I said, you know, the heck I am. Mm-hmm. That's just not what I said. And she said, if you don't, you lose your truck. And if I lose my truck, see, I lose my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So I went to the confirmation retreat, highly motivated. And I was the kid in the small group that every small group leader hated, mm-hmm. right? I'd be, like, I'd be rolling my eyes and mocking the youth minister's stupid dad jokes and mocking the, the Jesus happy clappy songs and... You know, it was, I was that kid all weekend. I mean, I, honestly, I think at one point I, I almost had my small group leader ready to like just use profanities in small group and just like pray that I was spontaneously combust. Like I was that kid. And then you know, final, final, final morning is the Sunday morning of the retreat and we're having mass and the, you know, the pastor would come up to say mass for us. And I was the kid in the back of the room holding the wall up. I was that kid from youth group. And I was just angry. You know, I, I don't know why. I mean, I was, I like had, you know, varsity letters in different sports. I had a girlfriend who was a senior. Like I was in a good, like on, on the worldly surface, I was in a really good space, right? Mm-hmm. But inside I was just, just hollow and empty and hurting and prideful. And, and during mass, the priest came out and he said, I didn't remember the readings at all. I didn't remember the music at all. But during the consecration, he held up the host and he said, this is my body. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, Katie, but in that moment, for whatever reason it was, in that moment of my shallow, painful, egocentric, narcissistic 16-year-old existence, I just said the two words. I said, what if? 
Mm. Like, what if that's really God? And I'm not even kidding you. Like in, in a moment, I can't even explain. It was so profound and so powerful. And it just rocked my, my adolescent world. I felt the, I felt the, the presence of God in a way that I've never felt since. Mm-hmm. And it was almost as though like God like drew near and just grabbed me and pulled me right up in his face. Mm-hmm. And, and in my heart, I heard him say like, you're mine, mm-hmm. like you're mine. And I'm never letting you go. And I, I, I fell back against the wall and just, just tears like Niagara falls, just tears. And I was just quaking, like mm-hmm. quivering. And I had just this profound moment with the Lord where I just, I, I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand transubstantiation or all the big, you know, ecumenical terms, but man, I, I knew that was not bread. And after that, I didn't even go to communion. I couldn't, I was just like so overwhelmed. I went to confession after that mass, wrecked my life, mm-hmm. but saved my life at the same time. And that began the journey with like, with the Lord, like in a whole different way, you know, and so it really was the Eucharist that led me to scripture and I started getting into scripture after that. Mm-hmm. But it was really, uh, it's just, it's always been the Eucharist. And even like, even like during college, I was going to Catholic college. I kind of like, you know, went on a journey of truth, trying to find like what was truth. I was reading Eastern religions and I was reading, I was reading about Islam mm-hmm. and you know, Hinduism and Buddhism, but I was always going to mass and I was always going to adoration. It just kind of just rooted. And it just, it, it, it was amazing. Like, I can't even, I can't even say how profound and how important that moment was in my smug 16 year old existence. That's such a great question, what if, that I don't think enough people have asked. You know, like I, I go to Mass yeah. on Sunday and make an, an ascent of faith, but like I don't know that I've ever like sat down and just like actively oh. thought to myself, okay, what if, and yes. Like I've just arrived at the yes because I'm, I'm almost kind of scared to ask that question. And I'm a person who is very publicly Catholic and also personally Catholic, so I can only imagine the hesitation from people who are not as publicly right. Catholic as we are. Why, why do you think people maybe hold back from asking that question? I think because the minute you answer that question, it, it demands a response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of got the whole C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. Right. It's like, you right. know, once you come to grips with Jesus as God, it demands a response. Like mm-hmm. you, either, you either change and alter your life to follow him or you don't, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of baptism. That's the beauty of, confession i mean it's it's you know um you know blood and water float out of the side from the cross and i think the problem in christianity and in catholicism is that we want one or the other but not both mm. it's like i want the water of baptism i want to belong to the family but i don't want the the, the sacrifice that comes with the blood i don't want to have to change my life mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't have to alter my existence or my my daily habits my, my personal sins that i kind of like and i kind of keep to myself or I want to be saved by the blood, mm-hmm. right? But I don't really want to be part of the family, the church, Sunday obligation, like the baptism. Like mm-hmm. So it's like, I want the water or the blood, but not the both. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the both. So I think that's part of it. It's like, the minute you ask the what if, if you're like, I saw Jesus, well, then all of a sudden, it's going to require more from me at Mass in terms of participation. It's probably going to require that I start to go to Mass more than just once a week mm-hmm. if I really am going to pour into it. And that's not even taking into consideration things like adoration and things like that. Because like, if I really believe that's God, well then, well, well, then why wouldn't I be stopping by the church at least once a week to spend time with the God of the universe who created me mm-hmm. if I really believe that? I mean, that, that's, it changes your whole schedule. It changes your whole life cycle. In fact, it, it kind of reorders your entire life around the Sabbath, around the Mass, mm-hmm. which is ironically God's idea. Because he wouldn't have put keep holding the Sabbath and the commandments. He would have put it over there with do not kill. 
if he didn't actually want us to reorder our entire lives and families and, and sacraments mm-hmm. around the Sabbath, you know? So it was his idea, but I think we've kind of reduced keep holy the Sabbath to make it to mass. Right. You know, one hour, check the box. When in his mind, it's like, no, 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 no. Reorient your entire week to a day of rest and prayer and community and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like reorient everything. And if we did that, then, you know, Monday wouldn't be Monday. It would just, you know, maybe the day after what, Sunday. So we'd be actually energized for Monday, you know? I think a lot of people do fall into that habit of just check the box. It's easy because, well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's important, but there's all this other stuff that has to get done. Like Sunday's our grocery day. So that's when I clean out the fridge and I go pick up the groceries. Lawn, we got lawn work. Yeah. Right? We got yard work. We have laundry. We've got everything. Yeah, it's, but Sunday's the day we catch up on stuff. Right. Life doesn't stop. And sometimes I get annoyed mm-hmm. When I like remember, okay, no, I'm, I am supposed to rest or I am supposed to be intentional. Like I'm not just, we go to 7 a.m. mass on Sunday because the kids are already up and you might as well just get Ooh. it out of the way. 7 a.m.? But There's they're, a they're already awake. It's harder to wait until oh. 9 or 11 because then it's like your day has started oh. and, oh, I need to go That's to Target. Like I love having teagers oh, on Sunday right? yeah. night. It's the best. It's okay, well, anyway. the, the real best. And I even hate to admit this, but we're at the end of the season. So if you've stuck around for this many episodes, you know I'm not perfect. Like, when we go to Saturday mass, like the vigil, I like Sunday's mine. Like it's, we can right. have a lazy morning. We can stay in our pajamas and we can get donuts delivered on DoorDash instead of run through the drive through after church. And like there, there almost has to be this conscious decision and then mm-hmm. like f- tangible changes to make the mass the high point of totally. the Sunday of the weekend, right? Like everything's building to it and everything's flowing from it. I mean, you, you're a dad with much older kids than mine. How did y'all do that in your family? You wrote a book that was recently nominated for an award about how your family's not <laughs> the holiest, right? But like, how did y'all orient around the Sunday? Melanie, my wife, you've met Melanie. She's wonderful. She's so holy. We used to do this thing when we were young parents. But you're, you know, you're, you're stage, you know, with the liberals, you know, take back Sunday. And we said to ourselves as a covenant, like in our mission statement for our family, so, you know, we're not going to make apologies if there's birthday parties or other things on Sundays. If it doesn't, help our family grow in holiness mm-hmm. and it messes up our schedule with mass and family prayer and family meal. Then we're just going to say no. And we're not going to feel bad about it. We're not going to put ourselves in that stupid treadmill of life and be like, well, we have this obligation. And our obligation is to God, mm-hmm. not to other people who suck at scheduling stuff. Pardon my French. No. So uh, that was the first part. Second part was we said, take back Sunday. How can we make the reading come to life for the kids? So, uh, we, we we started to try to read the gospel for the Sunday Mass during the week ahead of Mass, which mm-hmm. made a huge difference. And, you know, obviously when they're little, you really got to break it down. You know what I mean? Like you want to give them the gist of the story. You're not going to go through the first reading and the psalm and the second reading. We could just go through the gospel. And then it kind of built from there. Mm-hmm. As they got older, during the course of the week, when we're having a family dinner and they're all still around and there aren't a thousand activities going on. I would read I would read one of the readings during dinner, you know, and I would let them ask me questions. Now, certainly that, that required me to actually do some more homework and read my footnotes and know what the heck is going on. But we started doing that. And then I made then I made dessert contingent on it. You know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this reading to you. And if you want dessert, I'm gonna ask you questions and you better pay attention. So bribery always works. No, but the idea was like we would do things that would be like, how can we take the theme of the gospel of the week and make it more interactive? So if it's a theme about service. How can we? How can we all find mm-hmm. some way to serve one another this, you know, on this Sunday or this weekend? If it's a week about the poor, you know, like how can we all like let's go let's go empty your piggy bank? Let's talk about tithing, you know. 
If it's one about, you know, a marriage, we're going to have like, you know, marriage and divorce, have the kids pray over us. I mean, like trying to find just some of those little things and trying to bring it to life so that by the time we get to mass on Sunday or when we're leaving mass, there's something tangible and practical where they don't just look at the mass, like you take it off the shelf and it just exists in a Ziploc bag or a mm-hmm. jar, you know, something where they could see the tangible practical application of the theme of, of the readings that was really really important and I'll, I'll honestly say this i mean our kids apart from perfect as you mentioned our book is literally called our not quite holy family <laughs> but you know what's really cool is that we get to a place where you know we have teenagers now i, I we still have one in elementary school we have teenagers now high school college you know and they don't fight us on going to mass mm. they, they never fight us like they're, they're an hour ahead of time they're getting ready they're getting dressed. They're pumped to go. It's like, yeah. hey, mom. If anything, they're like, hey, mom and dad, come on, like, we'd be late. And we're yeah. kind of like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm just kissing. The, I'm kissing the stars. I mean, yeah. like, thank God, I don't have to fight my kids to go. You know, which I don't think that's the norm, right? Like, that's. that's I don't think it's the norm. No. It's impressive. I, I spend enough time with enough oh. high schoolers to know that oftentimes you have to convince them one mm-hmm. that faith is valuable, two to invest in doing this ancient thing that sometimes isn't well done, like depending on where you are or sometimes is really well right. done, but like they still are super confused or like they know it's important, but there's also all these other things that are very valuable to their life as well. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the tension I think we exist with teenagers, right? Like that's the space that, that we're in with a, a young person. But even in our own lives, I mean, I don't think many teenagers are listening to this podcast, but I know quite <laughs> a few parents are, or I, I know a number of people who have raised kids or have young adult grandchildren or children like, I, I know that in theory, it's important to invest it with my children now so that they're invested later. I know that it's important that my husband and I make sure we read the readings ahead of time. So at the very least, while I'm wrangling the little one, I kind of know what's what's happening. I also know that, like, even if I bring my muddled brain with a thousand things on my to-do list, like, God can still do something with that little bit of time that I'm giving him. Absolutely, can. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Mark Hart. We wanted to let you know that he has a brand new book that is available for pre-order soon, and we've got a promo code for you. The name of the book is One Sunday at a Time, and it's all about getting ready to specifically hear the readings at Mass on Sunday. And if you use code AEXHART, that's H-A-R-T, for 25% off, then you not only are pre-ordering the book, but you're getting a pretty great discount. The book's going to come out in October. This discount code is available through the end of August. You're certainly going to want to take advantage of such a great deal. 25% off, A-E-X-H-A-R-T. Grab the pre-order of the book down at the link in our show notes, one Sunday at a time, written by today's guest, Mark Hart. We're going to head on back to this conversation with Mark that we hope you are enjoying. I know I certainly enjoyed having it with him. The thing that we've consistently been talking about is that like the mass, when we get to a place where we understand the mass changes us, Mm -hmm. then it's a little easier, even knowing all those externals might distract me or might make it hard. Like it's still, again, it's that question. What if, like, if I know that it's this valuable and important, even when it's hard, I'm still going to go. That's kind of the project of of faith in general. But for some reason, as Mm -hmm. Catholics, the mass is the anchor of that. How have you seen in, in your marriage, with your children, in your own personal life, that change of, okay, this is what I'm committing to. These are the things that we're doing in our family. I mean, long-term, how has that changed you guys? How has that made you holier? You know what? I, I don't know if I could have answered this question before COVID. Yeah. And I think in retrospect, 
I can answer a lot more freely now, more, more sincerely now. I don't think I understood how much the Eucharist meant to me mm-hmm. until I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Until we had to go without it. Yeah. And saw a change in myself. I saw a lack of patience, mm-hmm. a quicker abandonment of virtue, mm-hmm. and just a lack of peace that I couldn't quite, I mean, I, I just I just associated, well, it's pandemic, it's COVID, everybody's losing their minds, and certainly we all were. But it wasn't until I was able to get back and receive the Eucharist again that all of a sudden the, the dots all connected, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, the stars all connected. And instead of seeing just dots in the sky, looking up and just, you know, calling it space, all of a sudden you see the constellations and you call it the heavens, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, there's a, there's a design to it. I think that's, I think that was it. There's, there's a rhythm to life. Mm-hmm. And that's why our church very wisely says there's, there's seasons mm-hmm. to the year, right? When you read scripture, there's seasons for everything. Like there's a, you know, there's a time to sow and a time to reap and a time to harvest. There's seasons dictate everything. Seasons dictate when you go to war or when you're at rest and when you get married and when you don't. I mean, everything in scripture is based on seasons. And our church very wisely says we have seasons. We've got Lent, we've got Advent, we've got Easter, we've got Christmas. We can't take this for granted. We're all just kind of rushing through. We walk into the church, we're like, oh, it's purple. Oh, it's green. Oh, it's white. We don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. But there are natural seasons to life in the course of the year or the course of years. Life happens in seasons. You know, you have littles, and also you, you, know, you got older kids. You know, you're discerning marriage, you're engaged, also you've married for 50 years. There's seasons. And mass l- plays into and helps you live into the ebb and flow of seasons. Mm-hmm. And the one constant, no matter whether you're going through good times or bad times, health or finances or relationships or vocation or sack, whatever, it, there are seasons. And the one constant to help you weather the storm is his presence. Mm-hmm. And when we lose that, it's um, this is the funny thing about grace. Grace is not a steroid. Grace is not a steroid. You're just going to immediately like, well, like notice and be like, oh man, I'm huge. You know, grace is a vitamin. And you don't really realize the importance of grace mm-hmm. until you're deprived of it. Mm-hmm. And when you're deprived of it, now you start to see the negative effects on your, on your life, mm-hmm. right? And when we deprive ourselves of it, either because we are not going to mass because we're, you know, whether we're too busy or we're lazy or we're not focused or whatever else, or we're not in a state of grace and we're not receiving the eagers, or if we're not in a story, we're not in a state of grace and we are receiving, like when we deprive ourselves of God's grace and its totality and its fullness, over time, we will notice in the fact it's only when we're like locked in, in a state of grace, relying on God. There's a there's because he calls it daily bread. Mm-hmm. He, he gives us his prayer. He doesn't say, give us, this, give us you know, your bread. He, give us your daily bread. He's trying to teach us about it, about a, an interior posture of dependence upon the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have taught us to pray a thousand ways, but these are the words that Jesus chose. There's a reason he puts daily bread. And the more that we understand that, the fuller we're going to be, the happier. We're going to be the, the life of abundance is going to come mm-hmm. that Jesus talks about. Yeah. I love that analogy of it's not a steroid, it's a vitamin, especially since <laughs> we're in our 30s now. We recently, my husband and I recently both started taking multivitamins. And it was oh, like, cry me a river. I you mean, were telling me yeah, multivitamins already. I, well, it was one of those things where it was like, it, do, should we be doing this? Like, is there, it, maybe it's just like a placebo effect, but it, it, I don't know, it makes me feel like I'm being proactive in my health. <laughs> We've ended all of our conversations with our guests this season. So you're our last one talking okay. about our favorite parts of the mass. And it's been so fascinating because nobody's answer has really been the exact same. So I'm, I'm curious to see what yours is. What is your 
favorite part of the mass? I'll be shocked if mine has not been claimed already. My favorite part of the mass is the, the few moments after receiving the Eucharist or the communion meditation, falling on our knees mm-hmm. when we've really become one with God. I'm sure someone else has already said that. I'm, I'm, it's been a while since we've done all the interviews, okay. but I think, I think a priest might have said that. Yeah. <laughs> Here, and here's why. There's so much, I mean, countless saints have talked about the Eucharist, mm-hmm. right? I mean, countless, right? Alphonsus Liguori, one of the doctors of the church, one of the smartest dudes who's ever walked the face of the planet, the brother never gets his props. He had his PhD when he was like 29. Okay. <laughs> oh, actually, no, I'm sorry, he had his PhD when he was like 16. Yeah. Sorry, I take that back. Smart dude. He wrote extensively um, in one of his books, and the name just gave me right now. He's wrote extensively about when we receive the Eucharist and the moments immediately following as, as we're consuming the Lord, but more, more poetically, the Lord's consuming us. He says, it's in those moments that we are the closest to the communion of saints and with, that we're the closest in communion to those who died and gone before us into the arms of the Lord in heaven. Mm-hmm. It's in those moments that, that we are most cl- closely associated to and in relationship with our grandparents, mm-hmm. right? our parents who have passed, loved ones, friends who have passed. That moment, those moments right after receiving the Eucharist, as the two are really becoming one, we're really living into what Jesus is talking about. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. It's the most profound moment of intimacy, this side of heaven, that we're ever going to experience, ever. It's one thing, like, like if the apostles who walked with Jesus prior to the last supper were to walk into Mass and see what we experience and hear what was being professed, they would be jealous. Mm. Like they'd be jealous. Those who walked beside him and watched him and listened to him talk and laugh and preach and watched him eat and sleep, they'd be jealous Mm -hmm. because the level of intimacy that God has offered us, all of us sinners, modern age, through the Eucharist is so much more intimate and profound than what they got to experience, even as close friends. Mm. So Sometimes you're, I've heard this often before, like, well, you know, if I would have, if I could have seen with my own eyes, if I could have walked with them, I could have followed them, I'd be a better disciple. Truthfully, I mean, pre-Last Supper, Peter would be like, I'm jealous of you. Yeah. yeah. I'm jealous of you for the, for the intimate knowledge you have of the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the highest affirmation on earth that God could pay you is to say, I want to dwell within you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not a higher affirmation God could give you. Yeah. You know, to look through your unworthiness and be like, nope. I'm going to make you a tabernacle. Mm-hmm, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't deserve it. He's like, yeah. you're right, you don't. Yeah. That's called the cross, but I still want to do it. Yeah, that's a great answer. The The way we heard it from a priest was different, so that's it It still is unique and original. I love that. Well, I didn't go to seminary, but... No. <laughs> I want to do my part. <laughs> Mark, where can people follow you? And and you have a new book coming out with Ave. Tell us about that real quick. I do. I'm really excited about it. It's called One Sunday at a Time. And it's really just... It's a week-by-week reflection on the readings. So it's like two, three pages to get you and your loved ones and your family kind of prepared for Sunday readings. So basically, the church, in her infinite wisdom, thinks that in the 167 hours we have a week outside of Sunday Mass, that we should read and pray and avail ourselves of the readings prior to getting there. Because most of the time, and you know this, you got littles in tow, right? You get there. Your whole experience of the first half of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, is based upon if your kids are making noise, if Ushers are making noise. Mm-hmm. If people are coming in late, if the lectors literate, the homily is any good. But if you prepare yourself and if you if you know kind of like the strand to look for mm-hmm. in the readings, right? 
the whole first half of the mass comes to life. Well, the whole first half of the first half of the mass comes to life. Well, all of a sudden now the Eucharist is even better. So the idea behind the book is, hey, buy this for your family. Take 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes a week and just read the reflections. You can read the readings. And then I just offer a few reflections. Here's some behind the scenes stuff. Here, here's this tricky word you might've heard. Hey, maybe you got lost in the first reading. Here's how these things all go together. Here's a strand to look for. Here's what we can take out of it. Here's a couple of questions you want to journal or have a discussion with a small group or on your own. The idea is if you go in a mass prepared, you get a whole lot more out of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's for what? Like for like, you know, quarter a week, 50 cents a week. I mean, it's 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 the only investment in your spiritual life and your sanity than anything else. Yeah. I've had a, a little peek at it and it's awesome. I'm so excited to get to use it. Thanks. So, thanks. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We're always grateful to have you on. Well, you should be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Katie, it's great to see you. Say hi to Tommy for me. I will. Thanks, Mark. One of the things that I'm always so struck by when I get to chat with Mark and we get to we get to chat quite frequently with each other is that he's always pretty honest and real. Mark's not putting on airs. He's not trying to convince me that he's holier than anybody else. He's just trying to get to heaven just like all of us. And he's trying to bring his family along with him. And his new book, One Sunday at a Time, is really meant to help all of us in a very real way try to make that same trip, make that same journey. We'd love it if you'd grab a copy of it. Use the code AEXHART, that's A-E-X-H-A-R-T, for 25% off. The link is down in the show notes to pre-order. But even more than just buying a book that we know would help you get ready for Mass on Sunday, you know, we'd love it if you'd go back and listen to some of the great things that we've created, maybe a podcast that really stuck out to you. You want to share it with a friend or a family member. You want to post about it on social media. Give it a rating or review right here on the app that you're listening. We love creating this stuff for you. We're always so proud of what we've made. And it really brings, I think, to the the forefront conversations with people who have great insights to share in the life of our church right now to offer us a snapshot of of what it means to pursue holiness, a snapshot of of what it can look like, the ins and outs, the day-to-day of participating in this life with Christ, of living this Catholic life day-to-day more and better each day. And the Mass, of course, is part of that. The Mass is the source and summit. Receiving the Eucharist is the best thing that we can do as Catholics, the medicine that our soul needs. Engaging in the Mass, worthily receiving communion, giving witness to that in the world, this is part of our Catholic life. And so we hope this series has helped you unpack that and explore that. We, again, love it if you'd share all the content that we've created with other folks that you think might benefit. We will be off this summer. But we will be back in the fall with another excellent series. We can't wait to tell you all about it. Make sure that you are signed up for our email updates. They will come straight to your inbox as well as follow us on social media at Ave Maria Press on all of the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find out more at our website, AveMariaPress.com. Stay subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss anything. As always, we're so grateful that you listened with us this season. We'll be back for a whole lot more really soon. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.